So I don't know about you, but I'm a bit sick of email. So much so that I probably get a couple hundred emails a day and I probably delete 50 of those before I even bother to open them. It's just that overwhelming. You're probably in the same boat and so are your members actually. So there's this really cool tool. It's called Member Text that I found out about. In fact, we had the founder on the show about a year ago and what Member Text does is it helps members communicate directly with you via text to make their lives simple. Today, people don't want to email. They want to text and member text allows them to do that. It's a really cool platform that I hope you'll check out and you can take a look over at membertext.net. Membertext.net. They'll show you what you can do to increase engagement with your members to have your staff get a little bit of a break from having to send all those emails and put together all those fancy email blasts that people like me don't even bother to open. So check it out. It's a great tool. You're going to love it. Membertext.net. Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news, and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. So a couple of weeks back, I got an email from a gentleman named Abhishek Sankar, who is the general manager, the 29-year-old general manager of the Amarillo Club. And if that wasn't interesting enough, Abhishek grew up in India, a small town called Musuri, and then he went to hotel school in Calcutta before finally heading off to Edinburgh, Scotland to get his degree in hospitality management. It's an intriguing story, so much so that I had to have him here this week on Private Club Radio. So without further ado, here's my interview with Abhishek, who goes by Abby. First question for you, Abby. You're a 29-year-old guy. You were born in a small town in India, and now you're manager of a private club in Amarillo, Texas. You've really broken the mold. And how in the world did you do that? How did that happen? Please give us some backstory, Abby. So yeah, um, it's an in- interesting story. I'm gonna. I promise you, I'm gonna write a book one day on my life. Yeah. And that's coming. That's for sure. But no, um, story began in India. Um, Went to high school there, and then um, in India, you know, um, everybody wants to be an engineer and doctor. If you don't do the either, you're just considered second class, I guess. Yeah, your parents you think know? you're worthless, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. And then um, dad asked me the big question, what do you want to do after high school? And I said, I have no idea. But then uh, suddenly I found passion for hospitality. I went to this guy, and he he's like, oh, hospitality, you, you become a leader at some point. And I always wanted to be a leader, and... Um, Went to a hotel school in India. Didn't have a lot of money. Uh, took a very big student loan. Dad put the bank wouldn't give the loan. Dad took his uh, property papers and gave it to the bank so they can give us money. Um, went to the hotel school in India. Uh, they had a program that you qualify the first five percent of the people if you do well. Going to go to Scotland to study, complete your degree. Had no plans whatsoever to go to Scotland because we didn't have the money. That's mm-hmm. it, straightforward. But Dad, I, I wouldn't be here without his support, you know. And he did what he could and made sure I went to India. I did my part, he did his, his part, and next thing I know is I'm on a flight 
to London Heathrow, Heathrow to Edinburgh, and um, got into the Edinburgh Napier University and started BA in hospitality management. Uh, while I graduated as the best student of the year, best performing student of the year, I mean, all the awards, I took all of them, and I started working for a company, McDonald Hotels, in uh, the UK, and uh, worked in the corporate um, hotel by the Scottish Parliament. I uh, started my career there as a banquet server, and then never looked back from there, and here I am, a general manager of the Emerald Club. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. So what got you from Edinburgh over to the United States then? So Edinburgh, I worked there, and then I worked at a golf resort, and we did the Open 2013, where Phil Mickelson was the winner, and worked closely with the RNA. And um, uh, and then after that, I was like, I'm going to go home, went back to India, spent time one year with the family, started a business, got it up and running, designed it, everything. But then I was like, I don't want to get stuck here and just run one business and I want to explore the world. And then Marriott International hired me and they brought me to the States and they asked me to work on a project for them and um, get a couple of properties up and running. I helped them out through the renovation period. And then while I was in town, um, the president of the Emerald Club called me and invited me to have a talk with him and um, asked, hired me as a food and beverage manager back then. And then here I am, three, three years later. <laughs> so from, from food and beverage manager, then they, they asked you to actually step up and become the general manager. What, what did you show them that uh, they liked? Well, I was a food and beverage manager, and within like eight months, they, they promoted me as assistant general manager. Mm-hmm. And then I've done that role for about two years, two and a half years. And then last year, when um, the club was a little bit shaking, and I had uh, the general, we had the general manager here at the club, and then the club was, the city club, Emerald City Club was done. I mean, we were going to close the doors, and and the board asked me to step up and and take the in charge of the club one year ago. I mean, 29 years old, falling city club, barely have money to make payroll, you know, and I took on the club. I was like. This is what I want. This is what I want to challenge. I mean, I had other job offers lined up. I was making, could have made more money. But I was like, no, I want a challenge in life. I want to turn this place around. And um, here we are one year later and in very, very interesting one year. Um, got a lot of people involved. And I think I've learned a lot more in the last one year than I've ever had in life. Right, yeah. You've had a 35% increase in membership over the last year. You're in the middle of a $1 million renovation, so it's it's quite the turnaround that you're being coming a part of. And that's really cool that you, you, you wanted to take a challenge. I love that. How big was this role for you in general? I mean, what, what does this mean to you? I think, I think um, when I was assistant general manager, I was the face of the club. And uh, when I took the role, um, I... I, I I filled in big shoes. I want to say that because when the club reopened its doors, I, when I became the general manager, I had three employees, and I had to open the club back in a week and a half. You know, wow. I mean, I had three employees, and I had to open the club within a week for 300 people. That night, we're going to do a grand reopening, and that's all I knew. You know, um, wow. it was a big, big role uh, because I think um, big shoes to fill in because I think the members and Emerald of Texas citizens realized how important this club is. They all look towards you, you know. You're the man. You're going to make it happen. You're going to save the club. You're going to do all of that. And and, and pressure was on. You right. know, pressure was on. Expectation was on. You were in the paper or the newspaper. I mean, the club decided to open the doors. Next thing you know, 
to pick up the next Emerald Globe news and you're on the front cover <laughs> that you've been announced the general manager. <laughs> you've not even uh, sat in your chair yet, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it was big, big shoes to fill in. It must have been surreal. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, so you're an outside-the-box thinker. What? How do you think outside-the-box? What are some of those out-of-the-box ideas that you've got? So I, I sat in the general manager's chair and um, one week I looked at the I studied the financials for the last one year, and I said, we need to come up with something else. This, um, we have amenities we have for the members. We have um, membership dues and everything and structure that we have. I, I think we need to do something else. This is not going to work. Otherwise, we're going to go back to square one. So what I did was I, I reached out to every single board president of the club for the last 10 years, and I had one-on-one meeting with them for an hour each within my two weeks of opening the club back and try to study their uh, perception and try, try to study what they thought and what could be done, you know, and and put it all together. And what I found was all these, all these people, and, and don't get me wrong, all these board presidents for the last 10 to 15 years at the Amaro Club are big owners of this in this community in, in Amarillo, Texas. Like, how can I get all these people combined and 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 make them to contribute towards the club. So, I came up with another, and I'm sure some people have done it, but a, a big, definite corporate sponsorship program, where we have all these meeting rooms, two, three restaurants, and I give them naming rights. And I said, from now on, it's not going to be called the this restaurant. I'll I'll call it the restaurant that you want me to call, whatever your bank name is, and you pay me this much a year, and I'll give you memberships and stuff like that. And the feedback I got, because that's the marketing for them, and they were like, wow, you're going to call that room? So every time a wedding happens in that room, it's not happening at the Emerald Club. It's happening at the Happy State Bank room. I mean, every bride that prints that invitation, how many times she's going to write Happy State Bank? Invaluable marketing that I gave to these people. And I think um, within about a month, I took it to the board, and they approved it. And within the three, first three months, everything single room, membership, everything was sold. And I suddenly had a co- commitment of $750,000 to this club over the three years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, all, everybody was ready to help, but I had to put it together where it made sense and it, it offered something to them and it, it obviously it valued to the club and increased membership and uh, we got some, everybody had to win in the situation and I, I'm glad I'm glad I, I, I sat down with a couple of good people, two, bo- two past presidents of this club, and they helped me put this together. And I said, Abby, you got it. And this is how we're going to do it. And I structured it, took it to the board. Board approved. Before even I got at the board meeting, I sold one one of the bars. I named it that bar, his company's bar, and I sold it before even I got at the board meeting. Nice. You know? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> you you yeah. must you got instant, not instant, but you got buy-in from the members. How did you go about doing that as a... As a, as a a guy from another country coming in, how did you get that buy-in? I think one of the things that you can understand is Amarillo, Texas is in the middle of nowhere, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, we we have our own sustainable environment. We, um, So the community is very close, you know. We have 200,000 population here in Amarillo, Texas. And I think one of the things that happened when the club was closing was people realized how important this club is to this town. And my job was to make everybody in the, understand how important this club is. We've been announced in 1947, we cannot close this club. We are going to make this work. 
And I got one of the things that, that struck me, and I read this book that my mentor gave me, is how to get the community involved in, in, a, in a club environment, you know, and big business owners and stuff like that. And we talked to them, and I had about 72 meetings in the first two months. I, I, I started this program and made them realize how important this club is and Amarillo to, to not just to downtown Amarillo, to the city and its citizens, you know. And then because we are a progressing economy, we have great cattle business here, oil money is here. I think it's only fair and for the city to, to have a very nice city club, you know, and everybody agreed with me. We are in the tallest building here in Amarillo, Texas, 31st floor. Uh, we are on, and um, yeah, everybody realized the important. But that community uh, involvement is one of the things that I focused on, and I think that paid off. Yeah, it sounds like it did for sure. Um, what were some of that community involvement? I mean, did you get in and and help out in the, with some of the local charities, or what kind of stuff were you actually doing? No, I think I what what I did was I invited people to the club, like um, some of the boards of some banks or something like that, inviting them to lunch and talk about the club, mm-hmm. talk about how we can utilize the club more better for them, and how can this club help them? Um, obviously, make a relationship where I, I I sign up all the executives and vice presidents as members of the club, how they can uh, use the club facilities for betterment of their business. Because there has to be something for them as well, you know. Sure. It's not just about the club. Yeah, yeah. So how I, I made them realize how, how it's going to be valuable for them to, to use the club facilities uh, with the amenities we have. And um, again, again, with the Aero Club names, if you join a name, you're going to be known in town. And that's what I make them believe. I think that was a big thing as well, yeah. Yeah, that's branding. That's great, Abby. That's awesome. That's I think everybody, every business wants that, you know. Sure. I guess every business wants that. And I think with the city clubs, and it's not just us. I think we've seen a little bit of a thing with the city clubs. I think that's something we had to think outside the box, and I wanted to think outside the box. And I, I'm glad I got to speak to the right people who guided me in the right direction. And, and we brought something new to the table. And, of course, it was an experiment. Of course, it was something new. I hadn't tried. Nobody had tried. Nobody gave me a book. Hey, read this. This is going to make the Emerald Club work. But we had to try new things. It was not going to be the same old thing. But I'm, I'm glad we did. That's awesome. Well, now the book e- exists. It came out a year later, the book that Michael Crandall and I wrote. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> ABC's a Plutonium Private Club Leadership. There's your little plug for the day. Um, yeah. what, what other specific steps went into reviving the club, um, especially considering the club's been around since 1947? Yeah. Um, I think a um, few things that we did was um, we we had to get limelight what we needed the club to be in the limelight in the town you know we couldn't let it slip away from the slip away from the media from the social media for everything so what we did was what i thought was we need to attach a big name to this club so i got a celebrity chef to be a consulting chef out of dallas chef trey wilcox um he's 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 been on the today show and he's been by dallas morning he was named by the chef of the year by da- in dallas um, so I got him here in Amarillo, and he was a, com- um, a consulting chef for the first initial period of time. Obviously, the corporate thing worked. Renovation. But one of the things that I brought up to the club was uh, that we need to renovate the club, So, um, which is happening right now. And we finally got it done, but we made it relevant. You know, We made it in, in the eyes of the members 
we made a vision that we're going to have a brand new club in about a year or so. Um, so yeah, a, a couple of things like that, and then we really focused on food and service, and I think we we stepped our real game up on. Thing. I talked to the president and I said we need to make a, a strong food committee that can help and understand from the member's perspective and and people who have a background on food and service. We need to get them involved in the club and not just the chef making and 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 everybody else looking at the menu and going about it. We we got the members' perspective as more keen and more active, and and get 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 it going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you you mentioned that you had like three staff when you when, when you started there. Um, what was what was some of the process that you went through in trying to recruit some good people so that they could they could provide that service that you're talking about? Yeah. Honestly, I mean, I had a week and a half. I'm not even joking with you. I have a week and a half, and we had to open this club. I had the financial controller myself and two other people and and i was like we don't have time i just went i just called the local three channels i said do you have some time i want to go on air and, you know and we just opened had opened the club yesterday they were like yeah so i just went online uh, on the air in the news at 10 i said the emerald club just opened emerald club just opened and um, we need staff we need good people we want to make this club work and i need individuals who are going to help me uh, make this club work and come and see me tomorrow at the club from ten till two, and I did some interviews and and had. How many people about, showed up? How many people showed up out, out of curiosity? About eighty-two. Eighty-two? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's wild. I mean, I didn't know other way. I had no idea. We didn't have time to advertise and wait for a week and stuff yeah. like that. We didn't have that much of time. I just, I just went on the news and I was like, all right, we need people to uh, to make. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> wow. That's wild. Well, you got. That, you, I guess enough people in town were watching that news program that night. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, the the news spread like it because it, it was shared on social media and everything and so on. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, the other thing that, that happened kind of during this time is last year, 75 restaurants opened up in Amarillo, um, which is pretty incredible. So how did you stay ahead of the curve? How did you keep on track? Yeah. And, and that's one of the challenges the city clubs face across the country, you know, um, more restaurants open and uh, all of them one better than other, you know, and and in Amaro, Texas, downtown is reviving. We just got a new ballpark right here, double A, double A team, and everything is going on here. So yeah, seventy five restaurants are open, but I think we stuck to our we stuck to our strong points, which is rich history of the club, um, strong membership break, really really uh, private club. Um, we we stuck with um, we stuck with our our strong points, and I think. Um, which other restaurants don't get it, but we stuck around with our and made our food and service consistent uh, as compared to other other places. But I think we stuck with our private membership entity, and I think that's been successful so far here at the club. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, congratulations on that success. Now, you're in West Texas. It's the beef capital of the world. How does an Indian guy who probably doesn't eat meat get along there? <laughs> <laughs> Fake it till you make it, I guess. <laughs> no, no. I think um, I'm a Hindu by religion, and we don't eat beef, and it's it's hard, you know. I have I have members. Hey, this steak is lovely, and this is great, and I have to I have to eat it with my eyes, you know, and, and taste it, <laughs> you know, and make it believe that. But and 
it's it's a struggle sometimes, but I do think I just I have a value that I have to stand up by, and yeah. I think I'm going to stick to it. That's right. Good for you. Now, there's also um, there's hope for you too, because doesn't isn't that those uh, better than beef is coming out and all these like I know, vegetarian I beef? Off. That, have you tried yeah. any yet? Have you tried them? Yes, I did. Yes, I did, and I shared it online on social media and <laughs> I said I'm finally eating one of these. You know, nice. <laughs> Not in the right shape or form you want me to, but <laughs> we're right there. Yeah. Now you have you don't really have the context of, of to compare it against, but how did you like it? Anyways, it was a good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. I, I loved it. Cool. I loved it. I really did like it. I, I'm not sure what the real product is, but yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's certainly, certainly, um, certainly beef liking. Let me put it this way. I think, I, I think. Don't quote me on it, but I think like green peas are a big component of that. Actually, like green, green peas. That is correct. Peas. I've, I've read that. Yes, and I've did a little bit of research, and they are killing it. That company is doing. Um, I'm real right now. Yeah, I'd like to be the CEO of that one. That's for sure. Um, yeah. If there's a if there's a young man or a child sitting back in Calcutta and um, thinking about his dreams, what would you say to him? What would be your advice for that young man? Don't stop chasing a dream. Um, don't be hesitant. There's going to be a lot of hurdles. Uh, there's going to be a lot of, you know, people saying no. What if that if? If believe in yourself, think about what you do. Take the right steps. Uh, do the best you can, and rest will follow. That's all I have to say. Fantastic. Fantastic, Abby. I really enjoyed having you on, sharing your story here on Private Club Radio. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much. Yeah, you have a great day. Well, I certainly think that that is an inspiring story, and I hope you'll share it with some friends out there as well. If there's a little boy or a little girl out there that has a big dream, have them listen to this episode. I think they'll enjoy it. I'll catch you back here next week. And until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Concert Golf has the capital, expertise and private club hospitality experience to help upscale private clubs achieving long-term success and membership growth. For 25 years, Concert Golf has allowed private club members to focus on simply enjoying their club. Visit ConcertGolfPartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process.